Yesterday, we celebrated the start of a new millennium. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to these 16 years? All of us were born, most likely. Anyone here younger than 16? So we were all born before the new millennium. Today is the opportunity to begin a new millennium, a new millennium of the mind, by letting go of our hindrances and devoting ourselves to our highest aspirations. And I'm not kidding. We can really begin again today to do that. If we've been discouraged in doing that until today, then today is the start of a new millennium. Just think of it as that. Whatever has been a hindrance, we can turn the mind towards the opposite of that, which is an aspiration for what is exalted and what will heal us and what will illuminate our minds. But to be able to do that, we have to set an intention. So I ask each of you to contemplate why you're here and how this is aligning you with your higher intention instead of just coming because this is one day this year that you have been able to set that intention. We can't just do it that way. If we want to retrain our minds, and we all need to retrain and train and train and train, and we'll hear it soon, it'll come. (laughs) We need to retrain our minds so that we're moving in the direction of our aspiration and we're not being dragged along by the hindrances. So I better define words here. What is this hindrance? A hindrance means something heavy, a blockage, an obstacle, a danger, an invader, a lock on a door. Think of a few hindrances. A slippery floor is a hindrance. Lack of confidence is a hindrance. Foolishness is a hindrance. Hatred is a hindrance. Eating too much eating too little, dancing too much, dancing, well, we won't go there. (laughs) Dancing too little. I don't think dancing is so important. (laughs) But there is the inner dance, which is managing to navigate and step out of the way of the hindrances. That's kind of a dance. If you want to dance with truth, you really have to surrender so much to be able to do that and at first it seems like so much but after a while it doesn't seem like enough like you can really give up enough for that which you truly love if you're a parent you will know what that feels like you would probably give the shirt off your back or the best that you have for your child even if it's not going to be the best thing for them. The tendency of the heart is to want to do that. In this case, we have to think of ourselves as children, and we have to be our own parents. 
We have to be mother and father to ourselves and give the best that we can to ourselves. And then I leave it up to you to evaluate what is the best thing you can do for yourself. Well, I know what I would vote for is some boundaries, training of the mind, and a goal that leads us beyond worldly aims and values. Because worldly aims and values have not brought us the peace and happiness that we yearn for, that we're thirsting for. To parent ourselves, we need guidelines. We need to create limitations. This is called restraint. Restraint is a form of training. Like, what happens if you smoke too much? You suffocate. All of us are a bit... I'd say burning and covered with the ashes of the fires of the world, the passions of the mind. And we're, we're dusty and a bit jaded and faded. Whose fault is it? You can't blame. Blaming doesn't help. We, we have to take responsibility for that and set, reset. You know how you... If your phone dies, you reset it. I'm just learning about this. It didn't happen to me. You have to reset and start again. And today is a starting again. Don't leave that starting for tomorrow. It'll never come. You'll never do it. But today is the day we've been sick, we've been tired, we've been vacant but running on empty. I actually discovered that I was a little bit running on empty, and uh, I had some acupuncture, and it seemed to revive me so that I could sit straight today. Because we do. We have take on more than we can manage. But in, in doing that, we have, we have a good intention, but we're not aligning ourselves with the supports that can carry that intention through. We overestimate. We're in our 60s and 70s and we think we're still 25. It's good to understand our limitations and yet, and yet, and yet, I don't care if you're 20 or 30 or 50 or 80, and yet, we can still do so much. Intention is everything. Intention is also karma. If you want to create good, wholesome karma, then set beautiful intentions. Intentions that support integrity, moral standards higher than what society is offering, for sure. And in alignment with what supports harmlessness, selflessness, in a way that's healthy for ourselves and others. And checking in again and again with how are we doing? What is the state of the mind? What is the state of the body? And taking care on both accounts. Otherwise we, we drive ourselves to exhaustion. And then we blame the body. Or we blame society, we blame something. But 
it's our own responsibility. Responsibility meaning respond well. Like a doctor. What does a doctor do when you come in and you have a complaint? Then they will usually ask about symptoms. Tiredness, stress, or some kind of illness, imbalance in the body. And then there's a medicine that you have to take. Or a program, a regime, like stop eating too many sweets. Or stop eating very high-fat food. And go on a diet. What we need to do is undertake a mental diet. The mental diet means breathing in what is good for the heart, what is good for the mind, and keeping the company of people that will support that for us, and making conditions in our life that enable us to do this. Stay in one place, practice meditation, quiet the mind, examine our life, reset, restart our intentions, and commit to a practice, establish a practice. That doesn't mean filling your library shelves with a lot of books. Whatever we read, we can't use that to actually do the inner work of cleaning the mind. Because we read it, we put the book away, and we don't make time to practice. It's just intellectual. We need to embody and viscerally live what we learn. And in order to do that, we have to what? What? Practice. Practice. (laughs) And what is the practice? It's the whole path. It's not just meditation. The whole path is sila. That's moral uprightness, holding a commitment to morality to purity of conduct and speech. And where does purity of conduct and speech come from? It comes from the mind, the heart. So if we then practice meditation, samadhi, it's becoming a practitioner, not becoming, but being, living the practice. So at times we sit absolutely still and try to calm the mind, and stop the fabrications of the mind. You just put up a stop sign. What happens when you're driving your car and you see a stop sign? You apply the brakes. So when we're moving quickly in the world and we see our mind tipping into the future or falling into the past and grasping for things that are no longer clinging and wishing and being deluded with past experiences, whether they haunt us or entice us or make us homesick or whatever, this is not how to be alive, is holding to the future and the past. We need to put up a stop sign and apply the brakes, come back to the present moment. It's here in the present moment, without any books, going within and seeing the destruction, the ruin, the wreckage, picking up little hindrance here and dropping it, evacuating it, vacuuming it. Just clean it up. We have to clean up our mess. You may have a very spotless home, 
and wear beautiful clothes and really look the part. But inside there's a wreckage. I'm really exhausted, beaten, dusty, faded. We can clear that through a good mental diet. So these are just a few suggestions. Then, as a result of that commitment to sila, to goodness, to wholesomeness, to skillfulness in conduct and speech, combined with clearing up the mind, purifying our mental states, little by little, moment by moment, a few moments in one hour is is better than zero. We start what was empty and vacant, we start slowly filling it with wholesomeness until the dial goes bing, it's full. And then you feel radiant, rejuvenated, and the mind can relax. And when it's relaxed, it becomes calm. When it's calm, the thoughts stop churning, and we can focus and concentrate When the mind is concentrated, it becomes joyful and glad. When there is gladness in the heart, there's further relaxation, there's a sense of ease and strength. When you're happy, you feel much stronger than when you're scared. When we're scared, the best thing we can do is run. When we're happy and confident, we can redeem ourselves. We start to redeem ourselves. And we can reach out and help other people too. We become so strong. From that stillness of the mind comes wisdom with which to act. You can't fabricate that wisdom. But you can create the conditions in the heart for that wisdom to emerge. Just like if you build a building and you wire it properly and make all the right connections, you flick the switch, a dark room is full of light. But you have to know how to make those connections. You have to be an electrician, probably. Or know a little bit about harnessing electricity in a way that is safe. And that's what this practice is. It's a way of harnessing our inner energies in a safe, sustained, directed way. Yes, we can all do this. So let's sit together for a few minutes and restart our program, our inner program. Did anyone here not know how to meditate? Probably quite a few don't know how to meditate, but think they're meditating. Okay, thinking is not meditating in general. So if you find yourself thinking, you just put up the stop sign. You can even raise your hand if you want. You're sitting there like this, looks good. (laughs) And then suddenly you, you check and see there's a lot of thoughts. There's this background noise, like the train that we'll hear. They're just rumbling along with... She said that, and then I said this, and then... But you're sitting there like that. And then the bell goes. You haven't stopped thinking the whole time, and you think you did an hour of meditation. But if in that current 
of background thinking, if you could just put your hand up like this. Stop. Give yourself permission to put on the brakes. Say, oh yeah, thinking. And bring yourself back to your belly. Feel your breath. You know, the whole experience of calm in the mind comes from being able to incorporate into the body and not be living from your neck up. It's not a cerebral exercise. It's not some technique that you just learned and you're away with the roses. Ecstatic. It doesn't happen like that. We have to... Here it comes. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Didn't work. (laughs) This is the mind. Churning, 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 churning. And bells and... Yeah, it feels good, but it's just such tiring energy. It just takes us out of our body a long, long distance. And we have to... Like a kite, you have to reel it back in. Do you ever feel like a kite? Caught in the treetops? Ripped? Torn? Can't get your feet back on the ground? Gone. We're back. Quiet. Now we can breathe. And notice the breath. Feel the breath. Don't think the breath. Do not think the breath. Just... Feel it, be aware of it, let the mind land on it and ride on the breath like as if you were getting into a boat. When you get into a boat, what does it feel like? The current of the water just takes you along. So the breath is this little boat that's rocking back and forth. Not a cradle, but a boat. And actually when you let go of the harbor, you pull the anchor up and cast off from the shore then you're adrift in the sea of your mind when you're adrift in the sea of your mind just being with the boat and trusting the current when you notice unwholesome thoughts arising you immediately stop you stop those thoughts and you direct your mind to the breath itself to the current of the breath holding you. And you observe it and feel it. You know it. Not from your mental fabrications, but from your attention and your unconstricted and unhindered awareness. Open, vast, but very focused and spacious. So let's try that together. If you feel any positive effects of this, you can try doing it every day. This is much better than doing worldly stuff every day, which we're bound to do anyway. 24-7 doesn't work with the worldly stuff. We have to grow this kind of practice in a daily way.
You can do a period of walking meditation now. You can just walk mindfully on the street and come back at 12.30 for our next session. When you're doing walking meditation, please don't make unusual movements to attract attention to yourself. Just be very mindful, stay with your body, and use the stop when you notice your mind is racing and you're not connecting to your body. Then you should stop and stand for a second, a few seconds, and bring your attention back to your body, to your breathing. Wherever you're focusing, it should be visceral, not in your head. And then continue walking with your attention on the movement of your feet or the movement of the breath in your chest or if it's your whole body. Think of your breath as the wind element. Observe and feel and notice it. Just learn that the breath is a teacher. The movement of the body is it. If we stay with it and experience it from within the body, not from the head, it can be a wonderful teacher. You never feel alone when you're with your teacher. Allow lots of patience, compassion, forgiveness, attentiveness, joy and gratitude. Be the predominant states. Bring those up. If anything else is coming up for you, you can use the stop sign, apply your brakes, and shift into a better gear, a more wholesome gear for your mind.